the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ooh, hi. So it's Good Friday and uh, Easter is Sunday. Good Friday. This is uh, this is when they were nailing Jesus to the cross. It is happening right now, 2,000 or so years ago. And um, once you realize that, boy, oh, boy, life becomes a lot easier. It really does, and uh, it's an amazing thing. Sure, you're going to fly off the handle every now and then, and uh, everything's not perfect because uh, we are who we are. You know, we're human beings. We're not God, and uh, we're susceptible to a lot of stuff. But man, oh, man, oh, man, when you make that great big leap, uh, into his arms, uh, it's uh, it's amazing, and a lot of stuff that uh, you want to, a lot of stuff that you think you want, you don't want anymore. A lot of stuff that you think you need, you don't need anymore, and it's uh, and it's a whole lot better way to live. In my, op- <laughs> not in my opinion. Well, I know it. I just know it. And uh, you look at me before I made the, uh, before I realized what the truth was. I was doing all kinds of things that they say you're supposed to do when you're young and single. We're not so young and single, right? You can, uh, you know what I mean. You ever see that Two and a Half Men show with Charlie Sheen? That kind of stuff. Uh, although I was taking the uh, the alcohol a little bit too far, a lot too far. And uh, I, I, I was set free in so many ways. So happy Easter. Tonight I'm going to have Paula Dean on the show. It's interesting. It's uh, Paula Dean is a minister, and she is pretty close to President Trump. And I thought it'd be nice to just talk about Christianity when she comes on and not, you know, a lot of times this this stuff only gets talked about when it's under attack. Christianity is under attack and we step up and we defend the faith. But what about when it's not under attack? We just kind of a lot of folks just take it for granted or you don't talk about it because you might offend somebody. Wait until Sunday. Joel Olstein will take care of that stuff. No, not you. What the hell do you know? Stop. Hey, wait a second. Didn't you? I know something about you. Weren't you the guy who, yeah, 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 I was actually. So, so, uh, this, this is the ultimate power and it's available to each and every one of us. Uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, well, actually, there was a transgender individual. I ran a big chunk of an interview she did. She did. He did. He did. He's a he, actually. He came back. His name, Peter Benjamin. And uh, it became a woman because he said he went to the doctor and he's like, I think I'm a woman. And the doctor's like, OK, take these pills. OK, take these injections. OK, let's schedule you for a surgery. Like, that's it. Like, they just take your word for it. I mean, <laughs> it's an external fix for an internal problem. You can mess around with the externals. It doesn't fix whatever the dysfunction is. And that's uh, why, oh, by the way. A lot of transgender people. Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, you, you notice they're in the news a lot with guns and mass shootings. It's a, it's true. It's actually happening. I pointed out last night on my show. I said, you know, I don't know if transgender individuals, which is a result of a mental illness, should have guns. And, of course, the uh, uh, everybody flipped out about it. But if it is a mental illness, um, and I think it is, and it's – undergoing transgender except for very 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 rare situations where it's it may be medically called for but that is so incredibly rare you don't 
design policy around it. You don't design society around it. Now we're designing society around these very rare. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they should have guns. And if you look it up, I mean, my goodness gracious, case after case after case um, where transgender individuals have either killed lots of people or been arrested when they plan to kill lots of people. Uh, William, who now goes by Lily and looks something like a girl but is a biological male, was just arrested in Colorado, had a great big communist manifesto. That's fine. But under the manifesto was uh, the plans to uh, bomb this school and this institution and that TV state, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, Lily, also known as Bill, is in jail right now. Um, but I love Billy, Willie, whatever. I, I do. I don't like everybody, but I love everybody. We're all here, and salvation is available to each and every one of us, no matter how high you think you are, no matter how low you think you are, including you, Lily, including uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Talk about somebody who needs help. And um, you can't forget, and although they want you to forget, that the Nashville shooting that's almost two weeks old now and everybody's yelling and screaming about guns, and now they're yelling and screaming about race. Isn't that something? A white shooter killed, I think, five white people, one black person, and now suddenly it's all about race. I don't understand, but they have. They managed to switch the topic because they don't want to talk about the transgender angle. And there is a great big transgender angle. I'm a little bit sick of it, to be honest. I am, but i got to get through this. Remember this, and I'm not just making <laughs> – some people I, – I got a person who looked at me like I was – crazy yesterday like why do you keep harping on the transgender why do you why do you harp on that i'm like well did you are you following the news in in nashville said yes i know isn't it awful that the guns are available wait a second do you know who shot the person i prefer not to say their name so do you know who did it well i don't remember okay that's fine Do you know anything about the shooter well do you know that person was transgender no they weren't no they weren't that's Oh, that's a that's a conservative conspiracy theory, they said. That's a conservative conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah? Well, I got it from the Nashville Metro Police Commissioner, John Drake, and he said it on live television. Cut 15. Please. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, identify as transgender, yes. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is has any motive for targeting the school? I, we can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. There is some theory to that, he said. Okay? So um, they were working on that big time. And then the word came down from the Democrat mayor and everybody else, do not talk about the shooter's identity. Do not go there. Don't. Talk about guns. Talk about guns. Make sure it's about guns. And then they're jumping up and down about guns and take over the state capitol. Just make sure you talk about guns and not gender. And now we can anoint some new heroes. What do these lawmakers do, by the way? Okay, they're lawmakers, right? They can make laws. Instead, they grab a bullhorn and protest at their own job. (laughs) Imagine pick. I mean, they didn't go on strike. They just protested at their own place of work. You grab a bullhorn and yell at people? Or do you have committees and do you debate and do you draw up legislation and do you actually try to whip up the votes that you need? No, now you just try to get on TV and social media. Cut 16, please. Cut 16.
The heated showdown at the state capitol in Tennessee, a vote to expel three Democratic lawmakers by the Republican-controlled House. The majority of Republicans have taken the extreme step of expelling him, and they're about to take the steps of expelling uh, two of his colleagues as well. An unprecedented move. Republicans trying to expel three Democratic lawmakers in Tennessee for protesting gun violence on the state house floor after the Nashville shootings. Yeah, wow, what heroes, right? Wow, what heroes. Uh, protesting, so they have rules against that, and they want to kick them out. I think they want to suspend these people. I've seen people suspended for a lot worse, okay? I've seen people suspended for nothing. I've seen people suspended from work with pay, no pay, happens. That guy goes to the the floor of the House of Representatives in Nashville, Tennessee, and yells his head off in a bullhorn. That's pretty abusive, and there are rules against that. Um, But I'm hearing from everybody that the optics were really, really bad. I'm like, what? why is that? Well, these were black men. So? Well, they're kicking out black men. I'm like, uh, well, what what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with the guy yelling through the bullhorn? Apparently there's a rule against that. We're going to make this a, an issue now? Yo, you better believe it. It was all over the news last night, jumping up and down, that this is now, it was first, it is a gun issue, and now it's a civil rights issue. It's really a transgender issue, but they don't want to talk about that at all. That transgender lobby is totally uh, just they have such a grasp on power right now, a hold on it. Mm. Remember this person, though, Peter Benjamin. His heart was broken. He showed up. Uh, you know, he had some con- conflicting ideas about his gender. Probably some other things going on. In fact, I know there are some other things going on. All right. All these people out there, they think that Dylan Mulvaney, you know who Dylan Mulvaney is, became a woman about eight, eight months ago, and now she's woman of the year, and they put her in this commercial and that commercial, and it's damn right insulting. 17, please, 17. I am Eloise. I am six. I'm a city child. I live at the Plaza Hotel, which is huge and wonderful. And Trace this is Dylan frolicking. Especially at Christmas time. <laughs> Breaking news. It's day 220 of being a girl, and we have another boob update. Dancing and cavorting like an idiot. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. Yeah, cute. Uh, Actually, pretty hideous. The whole damn thing is hideous. What What about a woman actually becoming the spokesperson for all that stuff? Some women out there have been women all their lives doing feminine things, and, uh, Aren't any of them eligible to be the Bud Light spokesperson? Let's bring out that, bring back that dog. What was that dog's name? It was a hideously ugly, ugly dog. Uh, the English bulldog or something like that. Spuds McKenzie. And then they had the Bud Bowl and all that nonsense. And now they have Dylan Mulvaney. Well, that is the shortcut to uh, temporary status, possibly financial gain, and in with a select group. But it's not going to fix whatever the hell is wrong with Dylan Mulvaney on the inside. I actually feel for uh, Dylan because I saw Dylan speak and had just gone to the White House and said, I'm having a very bad week. I'm really having a hard time of it right now. And I'm like, yeah, no kidding, because you went and you got the outside fixed. It's the inside. It's the inside. It's uh, I don't know. wonder what her relationship is like with God. I wonder. I wonder. Because, as I was saying earlier, it, it, talk about a shortcut. <laughs> it's, it's, it really is. That's a shortcut to 
It's a glorious shortcut. You can bypass all the trouble in the world, all of it. Uh, well, a lot of it. Um, here's Peter Benjamin. Listen to this. He uh, became a woman and then switched back to being a man. Cut 18. When you got your surgery no, and you, you changed it, how was your life then? Yeah. Um, I, my anxiety was, oh, it was top, it was still high. I was scared to go out the house. I, I did go out. I went out socially and stuff. But I was on antidepressants. I was still on the anxiety tablets. Um, and I was still drinking heavily. I had to drink to get the confidence to go out, the, to get out the house. And... Mm. Um, this carried on right the way through until I read, till I changed back to being Peter. Changed back to being Peter. Born as a man, became a man again. And then actually talked a lot about how God had played a big role and felt like God was calling him back to being a him. And uh, you heard about that. You know, transgender surgery is not going to cure your alcoholism. It might even contribute to it. And there, interestingly enough, uh, Dylan Mulvaney was in a Bud Light commercial. So the media has gone totally crazy about guns all over again. That's their favorite topic. And uh, uh, quite frankly, I am I could I was oblivious to the Second Amendment. I, I was, you know, I really was for a long time. And gun control. Yeah, sounds reasonable. Whatever. I don't want the government messing with anything, anything, especially that, especially that we can't trust them. We can't trust them. And you can look it up. The founding fathers uh, you need the citizenry to be armed for a lot of reasons. Uh, give me, give me a moment. Uh, a very interesting anchor over on MSNBC has unique insight into the transgender issue because her father became a woman. And instead of offering the insight into his, her horrible anger and violence streak, she also just talks about guns all day long. She could really set a lot of people straight. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Is this guy funny? Is it a good Joe Biden impression? It's He doesn't get the voice that down, but I tell you what, the stuff he says and the things he gets wrong on purpose. Here, listen to this. Hold on. Look, there's a new sheriff in town, all right? He goes by the name of Dr. Jill Biden. Joe, then it's my sister, man. No, I mean it. I mean it. I'm not kidding you. Get the vaccine. No hyperbole. You gotta get the vaccine. No, I mean it. And you gotta get off there's the social media, man, and MySpace, and the Sweeters, and the, and the, and the Spacebook, man. No, I mean it. I'm not kidding you. Misinformation is killing people, man. It's just worse than the Civil War of 1746. 19. You know the deal. Come on. Nice job. Nice job. Who is this guy? Who is he? He's so good. Who the hell is he? <laughs> Political impersonator, a comedic bipartisan take on today's political climate. Gotta laugh to keep from crying. Nobody's off limits. And he doesn't give his name. What a mysterious guy. Um, Mr. President.info. Does he have a... Anyway, did you like that? I thought he was pretty good. All right, so uh, back to the... I just got to wrap up this transgender thing. Have you ever seen Katie Turr on MSNBC? Uh, Very nice-looking person, actually. Uh, 
total leftist, uh, total fake news. Um, she wrote, remember Donald Trump used to give her a really hard time in the 2016 campaign. She deserved it, though, uh, really trying to undermine Trump every step of the way. So she writes a book about her life. She got somewhat famous by all that. And Katie Turr had a very, well, had a father who was a helicopter pilot, traffic reporter, news reporter in the helicopter. And uh, Katie, what the hell was his name? Bob Turr. He became Zoe Turr. Her father was transgender. Listen to this. Cut 19, please. Katie talking about it. Cut 19. Katie Turr says her dad could be demanding, abusive, and at times violent. He would come home in these fits of anger. Something would set him off. And he would get so, so out of control that he would throw his fist through a wall. And it happened often. I mean, we would go to the store by plaster, plaster them up. I remember him throwing batteries at my mother. The violence was always there. It felt like it was normal, like that was just how a relationship worked. Uh, let's see here. Let's listen to the dad now. Cut 20. Katie and, Katie and I were very close. Uh, she really looked up to me. And I failed her. No father wants to fail their daughter. Let me tell you what she says you did when she was younger. She says you'd get so angry that you'd punch holes in the wall and that you threw things like batteries at Marika. Is that true? Throwing batteries? Probably, yeah. Uh, punching walls? There were a couple. I could be very intimidating, for sure. And uh, um, if the kids felt I was intimidating, I apologize. I did the best I could. All right. She probably was doing better when, uh, I don't know. Underwent this transition and now obviously has a violent streak. And MSNBC will never, ever talk about that component of transgender life, which is very, very real. She wrote a book on it. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. So this guy, Bob Turr, T-U-R, was a great helicopter uh, reporter, journalist. Uh, he was a pilot and a reporter. He'd fly the helicopter. We have those guys here in New York. Uh, but he was one of the pioneers and did a great job at it. He was, uh, I guess the key pilot flying over the Bronco, the white Bronco, OJ, 1994. Remember that? Uh, that kind of stuff. The wildfires, all kinds of news there in Los Angeles. Uh, and he was a he. His name was Bob. Uh, well, Bob always wanted to be a woman, underwent the change. And uh, didn't make Bob less violent because Bob, according to his daughter, was a very abusive man. And uh, they should have called the cops on him. He was always punching holes in the wall, throwing big bricks at her, at his wife. You know, he's a maniac. Sorry, but, you know, he needed help. So he undergoes the gender uh, transition and becomes Zoe Tur, T-U-R. And Zoe is outspoken, this, that, and the other thing, popping up on talk shows. And one day, uh, Zoe is sitting next to Ben Shapiro, a powerhouse intellect. This is a long time ago. This is back when he was like 12 years old, but he's still the smartest guy in California. And um, uh, Ben Shapiro, you know, thinks a man is a man, is a woman is a woman. You can change what's on the outside, but you can't change your chromosomes. And listen to what Zoe is transgendered and everything's supposed to be great. Actually... 
Zoe told Katie, I'm a, I'm a woman now. I'm no longer angry. Well, listen to uh, Zoe threaten Ben. Ready for this? Cut 22. Yeah, that seems mildly inappropriate. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry about that. Cut 21. Cut 21. But even so, you have a thing like Kleinfelter syndrome. So you don't know what you're talking about. You're not educated on genetics. Would you like to discuss the genetics? Or well, no? Well, no, no. your genetics? So I'd stay away from the genetics and back to the brain scans. You cut that out now or you'll go home in an ambulance. He puts his arm on him and says it in a very menacing way. His arm, his hand, it seems to be around Ben's neck. You'll go home in an ambulance. That's a threat. And no, oh, by the way, that's illegal. And he's touching Ben. Ben Shapiro, though, is one cool cucumber. You ready for this? Cut 22. Yeah, that seems mildly inappropriate for a political discussion. You think? You think? Uh, but no, uh, what's, we can't talk about all these things. There are real issues here. We're signing up kids for this crap, for this dangerous stuff. But we're having the same old futile argument about guns. Put a graphic up last night. 415 million guns in America. More than one for everybody who's in this country. One one each. And then we'll have 100 million left over. You're not getting rid of the guns. What about the assault weapons ban? Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't even know how to define an assault weapon. Mm, where's this person? Where is this person? Still in Brooklyn, yeah? Hey, uh, Greg, good afternoon. Uh, Greg, to add to the woes about all this transgender, Barnes & Noble just uh, nominated my uh, teenage tranny misadventure as the 2023 Children's Book of the Year. How about that? Uh, What's the name of the book again? My tran- my teenage tranny misadventures. It's a uh, pro uh, transgender book aimed at the children, which is where, like most people, I part company with all of this. You know, we reach you, and this is what a lot of these people just don't get, including these morons who are pushing it in the, the business community. The world has changed. People are willing to accept adults who go into this. They're willing to accept gay marriage. I go to my children, the grandchildren functions. They have friends from 20 years ago who are gay, who show up and are still friends. So the world has changed. However, nobody, including a lot of the gay people I know, are willing to see this pushed among children. And that's where the danger lies. And that's where a Disney is paying the price in terms of going broke because they went woke. Yeah, I know. Going after the kids, it seems like everybody should or could understand that that's wrong. Uh, but the loudest, most vocal minority is insisting on getting their hands literally on our kids. By the way, I don't think they call it the it's the trans misadventure. But, uh, all right, good point, Stu. You're right. The world is different. Joe in somewhere in New Jersey. Yeah, Joe, hello. Uh, yeah, I um I just feel that the um if they feel like, if a guy a man feels like a woman I have no experience at all I can't imagine feeling like a woman but if I felt like a woman I I don't think they're trying to fix the outside they're trying to like I I can't imagine that you don't you know you don't understand that that they're not trying to fix 
They're trying to make the outside look like what they feel. If they feel like a woman, it might be helpful to look like a woman. Uh, it's I not. I can't imagine it's, walking it, it, around. It, it, Joe, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not helpful. And there are, I'm talking about there are emotional issues. Gender dysphoria is a real thing. It's a real problem. Uh, now the, the matrix is totally artificial. We are kind of celebrating this where no celebration is warranted. It is a shortcut to status, to protected class status. Uh, you know, if you become trans, it's harder to get fired. You, you think it's, 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 I, I, Joe, I'm really surprised. Uh, you think it's just like that. You just walk in. I feel like a woman. And so we're going to set you up with surgery to become a woman. I mean, uh, did you listen to my friend Peter here? Uh, Peter Benjamin, a cut 18. When you got your surgery no, and you, you changed it, how was your life then? Yeah. Um, I, my anxiety was, oh, it was top, it was still high. I was scared to go out the house. I, I did go out. I went out socially and stuff, but I was on antidepressants. I was still on the anxiety tablets. Um, and I was still drinking heavily. I had to drink to get the confidence to go out, the, to get out the house. And, mm. um, this carried on right the way through until I read, till I changed back to being Peter. Good for Peter. Good for Peter. Look, Joe, uh, as our previous caller said, if you want to do this as an adult, fine. Fine. As an adult. I don't think it's fine, but I think you have the right to do it. There are all kinds of health uh, in, uh, ramifications that aren't adequately being considered, even by the medical community. Uh, but, you know, you seem pretty casual about it. Well, it seems okay to you, Joe. Uh, that's one thing. But what about kids? What about these drag time story hours? Do. What? I don't, I, I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. I, okay. All right. No, I don't know what I would do. All right. Know you, you know, I I, I, very, I, you could do whatever the hell you want to do because you're an adult. But what about children? What about the idea that a child could undergo this therapy or could identify as another sex another gender, without the parents being informed. How about that? What is the obsession with children all about, Joe? You're aware that that's happening, right? That's, oh, yeah, I don't uh, I don't think kids should be, you know, doing that because a lot of them regret it. Yeah, all right. They're, you know, they're, they're young kids. They don't, they don't realize what. But what about an old person who has all the cosmetic surgery? They're, you know, they're, they're 70, but they want to, their career would look better if they were 40 or 50. I mean, they're still old. I mean, you have these celebrities. Uh, you know what, Joe, but that's the whole thing. You're, it's a free country. You want to get an operation, you can. Uh, have at it. Although, <laughs> those people who get cosmetic surgery, again, it doesn't really fix sometimes what needs fixing, something on the inside. Ooh, hold on a second. Christine has amazing insight into all of this. She happens to be transgender. Hello. Welcome back, Christine. Uh, she happens to be transgender, but made the decision as, uh, what? How old were you? 50? 52, yeah. You made the decision. All right. So, uh, all right. I've been shooting my mouth off on this issue, but nobody knows it better than you. Uh, thoughts? Well, yeah, you, um, uh, enlighten people with some truth. The truth is, um, you know, gender dysphoria is brutal. I, I didn't ask for this, but here's what the people that transition are miserable. They don't get proper mental health care, and the left has minimized the mental health aspect of trans health care, and that's wrong. If you have a mental health um, problem and it's not addressed and, they, and you transition, 
you're still going to be the same miserable person. And you're, here's the truth. The term sex change, Greg, is wrong. I can't change my sex biologically. I'm born male. I can't get pregnant. <laughs> I don't need feminine products. I, I can't get periods. I live as a woman. I do everything I can for the world to see me and hear me as a woman. But that's the extent of it, you know. And, and I'm, I'm happy because I have God in my life. And I, and I know the truth. I wish others would, too. Well, Christine, you're a very powerful and important voice in all this, and I'm glad you're in the mix. I appreciate it very much. Hey, don't worry about it. I know you were commiserating. You were, you were, uh, you know, like the guy attacked me. People attack me all day long. It's no big deal. You don't have to, you know, you, you don't have to get worried or upset for that, for me. Don't worry about it. All right. I saw that stuff online. Don't worry about it. You let it go. It's no big deal. It's actually good. It's actually good. You want to hear from these, uh, these people. It's okay. But thank you. Thank you, Christine. All right. Well, um, all right. Anything else we should know? Uh, well, I want to talk about one day. I'd like to talk aviation with you sometime, yeah. rather than this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. You know, it's funny. It's funny. It's like there's so many more interesting things in the world. That's why I, when I met Caitlyn Jenner, I made a point to not talk about that stuff. And I'll tell you why. I wasn't like, look at me. I'm, a, but Caitlyn Jenner happens to be, you know, when she was Bruce or Bruce, whatever, is a great pilot, is a great aviator. I asked somebody once, I can't remember who I said, who is the, the best pilot who's famous? And they said, mm, it's a, it's a tie between Bruce Jenner and John Travolta. These guys have tens of thousands of hours flying in helicopters, fixed wing, uh, just amazing stories. And this guy, I'm sorry, uh, Caitlin, whatever, you know, just uh, so insightful and interesting. I flew for nine years and yeah, there's a lot more to life than genitalia. And let's remember that. All right. Thank you, Christine. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The New York judge in the hush money case against Trump has now received threats since Tuesday's historic indictment. Judge Juan Mershon and his family have received multiple threats since the hearing on Tuesday. Judge Juan Mershon and his family have received new threats in the 36 hours since Mershon presided over the former president's historic arraignment. Oh, my God. Ah, threats. Uh, if you really wanted to do something bad to somebody, I don't think you're going to call the police ahead of time and say, I'm going to do something bad. All right. Now, listen, nobody should be threatened. All right. And we want everybody to be safe. The judge, Trump, uh, defense lawyers, prosecutors, the general public, everybody. We don't want violence. We don't want uh, we don't want we don't violent. We don't want anybody hurting each other. All right. Period. Uh However, I will point out that uh, people in public life do get threats, but nobody, I mean nobody in human history, has received the number of threats that Donald Trump has received from the public, from the the nation, from the world. Uh, the Secret Service, they've never seen anything like it. The Secret Service, let it be known, when uh, Obama, shortly after he became president, like, you know, uh, the threats against uh, the president are up 400%. And, you know, the underlying message was, uh, oh, America is still a racist place, right? So that was a politically kind of crafted message because, you know, they just, uh, that, that's what they were doing. They wanted to exploit stuff. And, um, but uh, these are whack jobs, but there are more whack jobs than ever threatening President Trump. 
while he was president, after the presidency, before the presidency, uh, while he was running for president. Nobody has gotten the the uh, the threats that he's gotten, and everyone's crying over the, the – nobody even knows the guy's name for crying out loud. All right, so uh, relax. Hey, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here it is. Okay, so three lawmakers got kicked – two lawmakers got kicked out of the state assembly in Nashville, and um, everyone's saying it's race, it's race, it's race. I think it might have had something to do with the bullhorn the guy brought to his office, okay? You're not supposed to bring a bullhorn to the floor of the state capitol. Apparently, it's a rule. No bullhorns. <laughs> no bullhorns, no water pistols, no silly putty. And this guy brought a bullhorn and yelled through it. But, of course, everyone's trying to say, no, it's a race thing, including uh, including this per- person. Uh, go ahead. Why were those two expelled and you weren't? Well... I think it's pretty clear I'm a 60-year-old white woman, and they are two young black men. I, I, In listening to the questions and the way they were questioned and the way they were talked to, um, I was talked down to as a woman, mansplained to, but it was completely different from the questioning that they got. And this whole idea that, you know, why, you know, that you have to almost assimilate into this body to be like us. Oh, can you give us an example? I mean, what were, what were, how were they spoken to that, that struck you as racist? And just in a demeaning way and, and, and saying that, you know, if you're going to come into this body, you have to act like this body and that sort of thing. Why were those two expelled and you weren't? All right. So let me tell you something, Missy. All right. Let me say this. Uh, number one, what the hell were you doing on CNN wearing a, a T-shirt, okay? And why was your hair all messed? It was. You see how how kind of virtuous that sounds? I'm a 60-year-old white woman, and that's why. No, you know why you weren't kicked out? Because I looked at the footage. You didn't bring your bullhorn to the floor of the state assembly, and you didn't bring a water pistol like the other guys. They brought the water pistol, the silly putty, and the bullhorn. They broke the rules. You were along for the ride. I've seen this before. I have seen this before. As somebody who's pulled a lot of pranks, who's pulled a lot of stunts, I love to have fun. But there's always somebody. You know what it's like? It's it's like that guy in the blue. What is the name of the movie? Uh, Animal House. Remember, um, what was it? Pluto, the fat one. Remember him? What was his name? Otter, the the. The, the flounder, flounder. And remember, they sabotaged the homecoming parade, right? And everybody had a mission. You know, John Belushi was driving the float. Uh, the other guy was uh, uh, Kevin Kevin Bacon redirected the band down the alley. And what was flounder doing? He was just standing on the street saying, isn't this great? <laughs> isn't this great? But and nobody else really did anything. I, just that's her. That's her. And she's now trying to kind of play the race card in a way, right? I'm a 60-year-old white woman. That's why, right? That's why. And the thing is, that can feel very good. That can feel very virtuous. I once pulled that stunt myself, oh, by the way. 
Uh, here I am, a white man, talking about issues relating to the black community. I just should point point out right now for everybody that I have not walked in their shoes, so I really, and I would actually point out to everybody on this panel, as Caucasian individuals, we can't say, and that felt really good, that felt really powerful. Wow, you know what that is? That's classic virtue signaling. Let me hear this uh, this lady say that again, please. I want to just hear the first part. Go ahead. The lady on CNN who did not show up with the bullhorn. It's because you left the bullhorn at home, not because you're a white whatever you are. Keep going. Why were those two expelled and you weren't? Well, I think it's pretty clear I'm a 60-year-old white woman, and they are two young black man. Yeah, right, 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 right. You didn't bring the bullhorn. I think you love saying they are two young black men, and I'm a 60-year-old white woman. Look at you. Look at how virtuous. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? John, you see what's going down here with this thing, this phony thing, that it's really about a transgender mental illness situation, then it's a gun situation, and now it's a race situation. It's all fake. You're on the air. John. Oh, damn it. I had a note that you had something to say about that. Oh, well. Uh, let me just see here. Tom in Brooklyn, yeah. Hey, Greg, how are you? You know, I don't worry about people threatening or poop-talking you because you're quite capable of defending yourself, and I'm not worried about you for that. Um, I remember years ago, though, drag was for many as acting. It was like acting, and that's what it was, you know? And now it's changed into something to use as a political and, uh, and like you said, become a protected class. And it's kind of like uh, disheartening, you know. The woman you just had on before, Christine, I think her name was, um, she has the right idea. She's got God in her life, and she has mental health treatment. And I, and I, and I, I feel for the people who have gender dysphoria, it must be difficult. And um, I think the way you go and the way you talk about it is right on. You know, if people have, their God, if people have God in their life and the right treatment – you know, maybe they can get what they got to get. But, you know, stay away from the kids, man. I, I, I'm still going to call it grooming. I, 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 It pisses me off, but it's grooming to me, and I don't like it. Yeah, and stay it's being sanctioned. It's being sanctioned by the entire uh, the entire American government. I mean, and Joe Biden seems to really – we all have your – it's just very strange. And we've seen Joe at work, right? We've seen Joe at work. All right, Tom, thank you very much. Hey, it's Good Friday. Things should be shutting down pretty soon, but we're hanging in there. Many thanks indeed. I will be on the Newsmax show tonight. Hey, my book, uh, we touch on a lot of these issues in the book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, still available wherever books are sold. Ooh, I'm going to be speaking with Kari Lake, uh, a special event later this month. I'll have details in a bit. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, this thing is heating up. Look, I think there are a lot more interesting things to talk about regarding gender, but uh, this is, I mean, is this a war? I mean, what the hell's going on? They're after our kids. They want to normalize something that's dangerous, dangerous to adults, dangerous to children. Yeah, there. I'm thinking, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a danger. And it's a danger to the way the society is set up for thousands of years, Okay. This is, have you heard of Riley Gaines? Riley Gaines is an amazing person. I really am impressed with her. Um, college athlete. I think she's from Kentucky. Doesn't matter. Uh, she found herself in the pool with that cheater, um, Leah Thomas. You know, used to be Jason and now Leah. 
It's just, it's just a joke. It's a joke. Jumps in the pool, mediocre male swimmer, becomes a woman officially, removes her penis, I guess, drinks a lot of estrogen, although there's still massive, massive advantages that uh, this individual has based on having gone through male puberty, gets in the pool, competes against women, and then becomes the best, quote-unquote, woman swimmer of all time. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. We all know that. But it's being sanctioned even by the NCAA, the National College Athletic Association, NBC News, sponsors. Everybody thinks this is delightful, except the people. All right? Except people. A lot of folks are really afraid of the mob. They are so afraid of the mob getting mad at them. They'll do anything, anything to avoid that. Here, here. This Riley Gaines, well, first of all, here she is. She's an amazing person, and she laid it all out in a really compelling way. This is a couple of months ago, uh, but she's in hot water all over again. Uh, Just listen to what she has to say. Uh, My name is Riley Gaines. I'm a recent graduate from the University of Kentucky, where I was on the women's swim team. I proudly finished my career as a 12-time NCAA All-American, a five-time SEC champion, Um, I am one of the fastest 200 butterflyers uh, of all time. Um, But on March 17th of last year, my teammates and I were, and other female swimmers from universities around the country, were forced to compete against a biological male named Leah Thomas. Um, Thomas was allowed to compete in the women's division after competing as a member of the University of Pennsylvania's men's swim team for three years. We watched on the side of the pool as Thomas won a national title in the 500-yard freestyle, beating out the most impressive and accomplished female athletes in the country, including Olympians and American record holders, whereas just the year before, Thomas at best was ranking in the 400s in the men's category. The next day, Thomas and I raced in the 200 freestyle, which ended up in a tie. Um, We went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second. Having only one trophy, the NCAA told me that I would go home empty-handed and this trophy would go to Thomas. And when I questioned this, the NCAA told me that Thomas had to hold it for photo purposes. I was shocked. I felt betrayed and belittled, reduced to a photo op. But my feelings didn't matter. What mattered to the NCAA were the feelings of a biological male. In 1972, Congress enacted Title IX to end unjust sex discrimination in all aspects of education, including college athletics. But by allowing Thomas to displace female athletes in the pool and on the podium, the NCAA intentionally and explicitly discriminated on the basis of sex. Although the NCAA claimed it acted in the name of inclusion, its policies in fact excluded female athletes. But that is not all. In addition to being forced to give up our awards, our titles, not opportunities, The NCAA forced female swimmers to share a locker room with Thomas, a 6'4", 22-year-old male who was fully intact with male genitalia. Let me be clear. We were not forewarned. We were not asked for our consent, and we did not give our consent. If nothing else, I hope you can truly see how this is a violation of our privacy and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, awkward, Um, embarrassed and even traumatized by this experience. I know I don't speak for everyone. It's impossible to speak for everyone. But I can attest to the tears that were shed on that pool deck by these poor ninth and 17th place finishers who missed out on being named an All-American by one place. And I can attest to the extreme discomfort in the locker room when you turn around and there's a male watching you undress while exposing himself. I can attest to the anger and frustration 
from these girls who had worked so hard and sacrificed so much to get to this point. Unfortunately, our experiences are not unique. The number of female athletes who have been denied opportunities, again, traumatized or hurt by policies that claim to be promoting inclusion, is growing at an alarming rate around this country. It's simply unacceptable, and the integrity of women's sports is lost. Thank you, Amazing, amazing woman. Wow, does that spell it out or what? Hey, did you know Leah Thomas had a penis? I figure that that was removed, but apparently not. Leah Thomas standing there, you know, flag flying, that's wrong. That is wrong. we got to protect women and girls. Whatever happened to that? Protecting women and girls. Riley Gaines, good for you. So Riley Gaines, that's a very powerful speech. And people are like, well, this is a very important message. You've got to come to our campus and speak. Well, she went to uh, San Francisco State University. Uh, listen to what happened when she got there. Everybody freaked out. I think they're saying trans women are hot dogs. I can't tell. All right, trans women are women. Sorry. And this is after she left, before she left. I can't play that part. They were cursing and yelling and just so mad. F word. So mad. So mad. What a, that's a radical position now. This is a radical position. The lunatics have taken over. The lunatics have taken over. All the institutions, academia, government, military, now they're going for the police. It really is just, wow. It's just, the whole thing is flipped. It's a madhouse. Remember Charlton Heston in, uh, in Planet of the Apes? It's a madhouse. It is a total and complete madhouse. All right, what was the other thing? Um, I have to get... Uh, or we did the transgender, and then in addition to that, if you turn on the news, there's a good chance you're going to hear something along the lines of this when it comes to race in America. Where is that little thing I got there? Ah, here we go. Cut 23, please. Cut 23. Unarmed people are being killed that we're afraid to walk the streets, that we are afraid of police. They're not helping us. And it's important that we understand that it is important. There is a connection between the fact that law enforcement originated as slave patrols and are still in 2021 killing black men and women on the street. Police are supposed to protect and serve, but it's clear that they are protecting the beneficiaries of inherent racist policies. All right, so none of that stuff is true. All right, it's totally false. But if you say it over and over and over and over and over again, for years now, three years, mainstream media, social media, that's the message. Police are the bad guys. America is inherently racist. You know who this jeopardizes the most? Young black men in America when they're pulled over by cops. Everybody gets pulled over by cops sooner or later, right? It's happened to me about a dozen times in my life. Sure. I've been stopped and frisked twice. It's going to happen sooner or later. But that message over and over and over and over and over again to communities of color, especially young black men, what happens? What happens next? Cut 24, please. Cut 24.
It's a kid running away from the cops during a traffic stop and getting shot in the process. Another guy in Michigan who didn't think the cop had any right or authority to stop him starts struggling with the cop. He gets himself shot. And then most recently, the park police in Washington, D.C. This is the... This is the authorized preferred reaction uh, among black men now promoted by the media. <laughs> the cops are racist. They have no authority. Resist. Run. It's a great way to get shot. It's a great way to put yourself at risk. You know, if I started pushing back against who the hell knows what's going to happen? If only they would emphasize that obey you know what if you think your rights have been violated uh file a complaint hire a lawyer go see al sharpton have a press conference after the traffic stop or whatever is over well that may be too late shut the freaking hell up comply here's lieutenant nazario i call him bad lieutenant nazario he's a punk from brooklyn with an attitude. He thinks that because he's in the Army, United States Army, he can do whatever the hell he wants. So he's driving with uh, expired plates, tinted windows where he's not supposed to have them. Sometimes there are laws against that. And they try to pull him over on the highway. Instead, the guy drives four miles to go to a gas station. That's got the cops upset, obviously, right? What happens next? Cut 25. He's not complying, Jeff. Come around your side. Let me see your hands. How many occupants are in the vehicle? What's going on? How many occupants are in your vehicle? It's only myself. Why are your weapons drawn? What's going on? Open the door slowly and step out. Open the door. I'm not getting out the vehicle. What's going on? Keep your hands outside the window. My hands are right here. What's going on? Get out of the car now. Get out of the car. What's going on? Get out of the car now. And he's just he's going to sit there and think about it. What's going on? He knows what he's doing. He's recording the whole thing, by the way, looking for a payout. Uh, let's see here. Next. Uh, well, they, they grab him. You know, look, it's, it, it, we want cops to have a certain amount of authority, right? Cut 26. Get out of the car now. I'm serving this country and this is how I'm treated. Stop. Stop. Stop right the there. Out. You know what? I never tried. I never pulled that crap. You're serving this country. You know what? That's where it's going. You know, you wear a uniform. Somehow you get special. No, no. Keep going with this, please. Get your hands. Get, get out of the car now. Get out of the car. Get your hands off me, get please. The- get your hands off me. You know what? Get your hands off me. Get your hands off me. Back up there. I didn't do anything. Don't do that. Sir. Don't do that. Sorry, but that's a real problem, that kind of behavior. It really is. And here's the most absurd part. This is the thing that really gets to me. The Pentagon. The United States military, the Department of Defense, gave this guy a medal for his conduct. They publicly acknowledged him. They said he was professional and calm and that the military, the United States Army, officially is proud of this guy, proud of the way. Sending that kind of message out is going to get people killed. It's going to get people dead. Hey, hold on one second. Who's Don in Plainsboro? What's up? Hi, Don. 
You know, I never underestimate the stupidity of this country. They knew it was coming with Biden and they got it. Now, another thing, uh, Mike Pompeo, I think would make he's a carbon copy of Donald Trump, less the vitriol. And uh, I don't know if anyone even knows him. Is it, I know he's down in the polls, but I think he would be a good president. He doesn't have it. He is a zero. I'm sorry. He's a, he does not. He's not presidential timber. And I don't think he has one one millionth the talent of Donald Trump. Uh, and oh, by the way, he betrayed Donald Trump, said awful things about him in public. I don't care that he went to Harvard. I don't care that he went to West Point. I don't care about any of that stuff. By the way, have you read his book? No, I haven't. It'll take you about five minutes. There's nothing inside. It's as superficial as he is. I'm sorry, Don, but he's not going to make it. Uh, we got to go with Trump. In my opinion, uh, he's, he's just light years better than, uh, you know what, you know what he did? Have you noticed how much weight he lost? Yeah, it's always a mistake. It's always a mistake. It's just he whatever he had, he lost. He lost his mojo way too much weight. It's great to be in shape. He went overboard. Don, you got to keep looking. I prefer Trump. I think you may come around. I got to go. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Let me assert my firm belief. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. All right, huh? Wow, we had some, we had some real winners. And now... <laughs> oh, boy. How far we have fallen. Cut 28, please. Stand here tonight. Equality and democracy are under assault. We do ourselves no favor to pretend otherwise. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Mm, yeah, right, 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 right. Securing our borders. Threatens the foundation of our republic, huh? Hmm. Not losing wars overseas, that threatens the uh, foundation of our republic. Hmm? Protecting children, threaten, that's threatening to you? Oh, Joe, you are one bad man. You really are. And um, nowhere was that on fuller display than in his treatment of Clarence Thomas. What happened in 1991? Remember that, the high-tech lynching? Well, I'm pleased that the next high-tech lynching, the attempted high-tech lynching, seems to be sputtering. So they wrote this massive story in ProPublica, some dopey website, 18 reporters trying to take down Clarence Thomas because he's pro-life. And the big scandal is that he has a friend who's rich, and he went up to his pond in upstate New York to fish a couple of times. Um, You know, Joe Biden right now, for Easter weekend, I think he's going to some billionaire's house in St. Croix, not even in America. There's another billionaire that he likes. Well, he likes his money up in Nantucket. He goes to that guy's place all the time. He's been mooching off of people his entire life. That's what these, uh, that's what politicians do. Whereas Clarence Thomas happens to be genuine friends with this guy. And if you want to hang out with him, you can hang out with him. And there's a hospitality clause in all this stuff. They gave him a hard time for not declaring some of these uh, vacations, well, you don't have to. If it's hospitality, you don't have to declare that. And then they gave him a hard time for accepting a gift, a lavish gift, 
It was a Bible. It was an antique Bible, basically. <laughs> and he declared it. And he declared it. So one of the many reasons to be on Clarence Thomas's side is that Sheldon Whitehouse, the jerkiest guy in the United States Senate, really, really obnoxious, um, says that he wants an investigation, and he's tweeting up a storm about it. Hmm. Sheldon Whitehouse says, while digesting this picture worth a thousand words, remember that Leonard Leo's firm was hired not long ago to help sell a reprint of Thomas's old book. Who is paying who here? What is he talking about? If you're smoking cigars with Leonard Leo and other right-wing fixers, you should know that they don't have business before the court. He's ripping on uh, on Thomas, and this, and he's milking this article. Sheldon Whitehouse, jerky senator from Rhode Island, who happens to be a member at a racist all-white beach club. I may just sue Sheldon Whitehouse's ass myself. Somebody's got to do it, you hypocrite. You know, we uh, we had a cop shot. New York City cop shot. I think he was off-duty, right? And... Uh, well, they got the shooter. The shooter's in custody. I think there was some sort of fight on a on an MTA bus. James Flippin, our news anchor. James, how are you? You've been following this story. What happened? I'm good, Greg. Yeah, well, basically, it actually was while the cop was on duty. It was Wednesday afternoon, and what happened was there was a dispute amongst some passengers on an MTA bus. I think it would have been around like 3.30 on Wednesday. And the driver saw some cops, flagged the cops over, because of the dispute that was happening. Now, allegedly, the suspect flashed their gun during this fight over seating. So why are you in my seat? Something like that on, on the bus. So the guy sees the cops, runs off the bus, pushes past the cops. This rookie cop, who's only been on the force for like three months or something like that, uh, Brett Bowler, he chased the suspect down. They get into a struggle of some kind. The suspect is accused of pulling the gun and shooting the cop in the hip. Um, shattering a bone, basically where, like, the leg meets the hip and stuff like that. So uh, his fellow officers um, put on a tourniquet, rushed him to the hospital, emergency surgery. After that surgery now, the cops undergoing, you know, going to have lengthy rehab and all that. But they tracked the suspect to a home in the Bronx using social media. I don't really know how. They found some accounts that were linked to this house, and they went inside the house, conducted the search, and found shoes that they think the suspect was wearing. So I guess that was enough probable cause to go ahead and make the arrest, or at least consider him a person of interest. And then the charges were announced today against this guy, Devin Spragans, who's also 22 years old. The cop and the suspect, both 22. Wow, 22. So they were born in 2001. Right. You know, little kids, jeez. So, uh, all right, we think this guy did it, right? He's the guy? I mean, it seems that way. You know, they had a very clear photo from a surveillance camera that they put out over the last couple of days to try to find the person. And, um, yeah, it seems relatively open and shut. No rap sheet for this guy, which is a little bit strange, but I guess they say he's got connections to places out of state as well. So um, I'm uh, looking myself here. Now, I notice that the assailant, the alleged assailant happens to be African-American, mm-hmm. and the uh, police officer shot happens to be white. That is correct. And uh, has a racial component been injected into this at all? Because, uh, you know, look, I have been wondering, because of the media, how they have so toxified the environment mm-hmm. and raised grave questions about policing, fundamental questions about their, their legitimacy, 
their justification to do much of anything. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't want to drag you into uh, my my world here, uh, James, but I, I do want to play this, if you don't mind. Cut 23, please. Cut 23. The unarmed people are being killed, that we're afraid to walk the streets, that we are afraid of police. They're not helping us. And it's important that we understand that it is important. There is a connection between the fact that law enforcement originated as slave patrols and are still in 2021 killing black men and women on the street. Police are supposed to protect and serve, but it's clear that they are protecting the beneficiaries of inherent racist policies. So in my world, you know, James, what I've been saying, like, I think that this and we've heard that, you know, basically nonstop for a long time, and it really intensified starting in 2020. And it's to the point that just on site, police are viewed with distrust. Where we used to have great police community relations in New York, 75% approval rating for cops in New York, for Ray Kelly in New York after 12 years as police commissioner. And now there's like this built-in, almost automatic friction. It really bothers me. Uh What's the cop's prognosis? He got shot in the hip, but mm-hmm. that sounded like a really crucial spot. So what's it looking like for him? Well, they say that, you know, they're talking lengthy rehab for the officer. So I, I would, you know, interpret that to mean that they expect the officer to survive, that they expect the officer to regain some function. I was I was thinking about it myself. Like, what does that mean? Is the guy going to be able to walk again? Is he ever going to be able to run again? Will he be a cop ever again? You know, I, I don't know. Um, but it is interesting you brought that up because – one thing that kind of stuck out to me, you know, I listen to these post-shooting press conferences and the different NYPD brass get up there, right? And then at some point they ask PBA President Pat Lynch to come up. And sometimes as a radio guy, that's where you get the fieriest sound, right? You get the most sound because he can actually speak his mind to an extent. One thing that he said was, of course, the what you expect. This is becoming way too commonplace. This is people that are uh, serving the city being wounded while doing so. But he pointed out that there were some people along this busy street where this happened, broad daylight, 3.30 Wednesday afternoon, that were out shopping. There was kids there, all this kind of stuff. And there were people amongst the bystanders who came to those officers' aid, who who stopped and tried to help and see if there was anything they could do for this officer. Um, I, I think there was a picture of them picking up the officer's hat and bringing it to one of the other officers and stuff like that. At least you can take the, out of that. It's not not all hope is lost, Right. Like, there's some New Yorkers out there that see somebody in, in need, that see a cop who's wounded. Another thing I'll point out is that this guy, Brett Bowler, his father is a police officer, mm-hmm. and he decided to follow in his footsteps and join the force. I'm sure uh, there's things you could sympathize with on that. Well, I sympathize. The cop got shot, of course. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, look, New Yorkers are good people. It's the criminals, though, who have been emboldened mm-hmm. and have been incentivized mm-hmm. and have been... You know, I'm sorry, but there's this, uh, we got a lot of people, uh, who hate cops and they've been kind of sanctified. It's okay to hate cops. You know, your, your, your typical family in New York, no matter what color they are, they love cops. They see good versus evil. Anyway, that is a touching scene. I can't stand Pat Lynch, to be honest. Well, uh, you he's know, such an obnoxious guy. I, I think he's way overstayed his, uh, his usefulness. But as and a radio by- guy, the audio is sometimes, Amusing. That's all I'll say. Let me see. I can do a pe- good, decent okay. impression okay. like him. Uh, uh, 
Mark Green is one of the finest publics. <laughs> I used to be able to do it. Mark Green, yeah. he, he endorsed Mark Green for mayor. Gives yeah. you an idea. He's yeah. not, he's not, uh, whatever. Well, one, I was at a press conference one time where he said, and the Blasio's waking up at the crack of noon. And it made me laugh. That's all I know. De Blasio. Yeah. Well, he, uh, <laughs> He got pretty cozy with de Blasio. Look, uh, some people like him. I guess he does a good job for the cops, but uh, a little bit too political for my taste. Anyway, James Flippin, thank you. Give me the name of the cop again, if you don't mind. Brett Bowler. Brett Bowler. Where does he live? Where is he from? Uh, actually, that's a good question. I mean, he was serving in Jamaica, Queens, so I don't know uh, where he actually is from. But, yeah, and his, his father's a detective in the NYPD. On active duty right now? Still? Yep, absolutely. Member of, the, member of the detective squad. Oh, amazing. You know, gosh, imagine that. They were born in 2001. Yeah, when you said that, it kind of blew my mind because I don't think of it. I think of like 20 years ago as like 1990. It, 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 yeah, it just seems like for us it's yesterday. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the kid, the, how about this? In 2001, I mean, in in 2013, they were 12-year-olds. They were in sixth grade. It's terrible. All right. Well, anyway, we're glad he's going to make it. We hope he pulls through. Full recovery officer. Many thanks, James. How about that, huh? I uh, I do think it's it's a res- it's a it's a side effect of society, and uh, well, that's where we are. That's where we are. It was kind of nice that the people in the neighborhood there uh, helped out, and I like that. I like to hear that. Hey, you see the whitewash that's going on over Afghanistan? The greatest blunder in the history of America, totally the fault of uh, Joe Biden, and they put out a, a silly self-serving report. On a Thursday, the Thursday before Good Friday, and they lie their asses off about it. Um, let's see here. Uh, the Deucey did a pretty good job. Can we? Uh, where was Deucey? <laughs> Cut six, please. Cut six. The, the purpose of it is not accountability. It's the purpose of it is military leaders. Purpose of it is to study like lesson you learned. That the intel was bad. So how can President Biden ever trust when they come into the Oval Office with the PDB that anything in there is legit? What I said was... That intelligence is the mosaic. What if the mosaic, all the pieces are incorrect? What I said was intelligence is hard business, and they get it right a lot, too. Um, There were some pieces here that weren't accurate, and we're being nothing but honest with you and the American people about what those inaccuracies were and how they shaped some of the decision making that was laid before the president and, and his and the questions that he that he asked. This document and this effort isn't about accountability today. It's about understanding. And I would also oh shut up, you the, chief. We all saw that what happened. We saw what happened, and we see that the media is still covering up for you. Hey, thank goodness for James Rosen of Newsmax and uh, people like uh, Ducey there uh, trying to hold this guy accountable, but. You know, it got kind of heated in the look. They put out a snow job. It was a twelve-page cover-your-ass email, and uh, everything we did was right. Donald Trump screwed it all up, even though he wasn't president. Eight months he left office earlier. Uh, Joe Biden was helpless to do anything. Total and complete disgrace. Uh, John in Staten Island, there you are. Hi, hey Greg. I don't know what happened before, but uh, I want to go back to Tennessee for a second and. The, the, the situation with the cop here. So we're going back to Tennessee. The, the two people that got kicked out, the one that's standing there, the 60-year-old woman, I guess she didn't have a bullhorn. Maybe she should have done something activist if she wants to talk about it because they're allowed to vote again. These guys can be voted back at the office. There's no, there's no banishment from that. 
but maybe she should have had a bullhorn, or maybe she should have pushed the cop, and then she would be get thrown out. I mean, she didn't do anything. She's just complaining about two other officials that got kicked out. No, she's virtue signaling, virtue signaling. Look, I was, I'm, I'm white, and therefore I was treated special. And these, anyway, she's an idiot. What about New York? Yeah, about New York. The bottom line with this, with this young cop, thank God he's alive and he's great. And the, this kid didn't have a record. But then it comes down to this again. It's not into a black or white. And somebody had a gun and shot somebody. I don't care if the guy has a record. The guy has a gun and he shot a cop. So where's the where is the accountability for that? Is well, this guy going to go? Well, oh, hold on. All right, relax. I mean, he's been arrested. That's a good thing. He's in jail. All right. He did a, he, a very serious thing. Uh, let's see. He did it in Queens, allegedly. I mean, allegedly he shot. It definitely happened in Queens. Who's the DA there? Uh, Melinda Katz, I think. And she's not nearly as crazy as Alvin Bragg. So maybe this guy's going to do hard time. So, you know, all right. It's, we, you know, the system so far, you know, the system, we got to, so far, we, 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 we can't be angry. All right. You don't uh, run out and, uh, you know, it's not, Justice overnight takes a bit of time, you know? I got you, John. I mean, I got you, Craig. But uh, the thing is, uh, you know, just these things get so untangled because of the Democrats trying to bring this social justice along instead of looking at the facts. All right. All right. All right. All right. You know, let's take it as it comes in this in this regard. All right. Guy did something bad. With the assistance of the public, we got him right away. He's in jail, facing very serious charges. The moment he gets uh, bounced, if that does happen, man, we got to uh, <laughs> we got to do something about that. We got to protest. We got to uh, I don't know. We got to do something. We got to let that DA know how we feel. We got to write our letters. We got to talk about it on the radio. We got to demand. We maybe have a recall effort, but I don't think it's going to come to that. I don't think so. Hey, man, thank you very much, uh, Vito. You're also in Staten Island, yes. Hey, Greg, how are you? Just, uh, I like exposing the hypocrisy that's out there. So, you know, every once in a while, I'll turn around and I'll say to, you know, I'll say to people, I'm a lesbian. And they get, get some upset and they turn around and they say, you can't be a lesbian because you're a man. Well, who do you say you this know? to? Who do you, why would you, why would you, well, who would you say that to and why? I say, I say it's not a lesbian because I want to. No, I, I mean, where do you say that? At the grocery store? I mean, where? At a party? I mean, where do you no, bring no, this I'm up? I'm hanging out. Yeah, I'm just hanging out with friends. I'm just hanging out with friends. And they turn around and they get upset because, you know, you, they say you can't be one because you're a man. Yet Lori Lightfoot is, is married, is considered, she calls herself a lesbian, and yet she's married to a man who trains over to a woman. No, I think she, oh, really? Anyway, listen, uh, you know what they say about men. We're all lesbians trapped in male bodies, right? You know that. Absolutely, sir. I love it. Yes. All right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so how does that go over with your friends when you lay that on them? They, you know, they like it. They don't like it. You know, they sometimes. To be honest, it doesn't sound like the uh, most uh, advanced social experiment I ever heard of. No, but it's it's just it's sometimes they just do it to expose the hypocrisy. That's why your buddies it, aren't it, hypocrites, though. I mean, they're guy. Anyway, what do you do, Vito? What are you up to when you're not? Uh, what do you do? Uh, well, I'm a retired from NYPD, and right now I'm I'm a, I'm a trucker over the road. A trucker? What? Over the road trucker. Oh, what does over the road mean? I I drive a tractor trail over the country. Oh man, that's pretty cool. Do you have a cab? Yep, I got a I got a sleeper cab in the back with two beds. Two beds. Yep, bunk beds. 
Nope. Uh, well, that sounds like a great arrangement. Satellite radio and everything like that. What else? What? What's the coolest gadget you got? Uh, the coolest. Uh, I can't say the coolest gadget guy because it's against company policy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right. Uh, leave it at that. Well, what the hell could it be? All right, easy. Uh, <laughs> that is one heck of a cackle. Uh, I'm so intrigued. Uh, all right, Vito, enjoy safe driving. So th- thank, thank you for you, the sir. call. You bet. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And this thing with Clarence Thomas, leave him alone. He's a good guy. And there's that idiot from Tennessee. Yeah, he does have a bullhorn. Now I have a close-up of him. Throw that ass out of the Tennessee House of Representatives, whatever you call it down there. What is wrong with him? You're a legislator. Legislate. Come up with a clever law. Get other people to agree with you. See if you can get a majority of your fellow lawmakers and pass the damn thing. You want to be a crazy activist running around, shooting your head off, yelling on through a bullhorn? Do that, but do it outside, in the street, like a street activist or a street hustler or whatever the hell you, uh, whatever you fancy there, pal. This guy, oh, they're going to shove him down our throats. Oh, boy, yeah, he's got the look. Oh, he's got the look. He's got, yep, he's a, he's a very good-looking guy, and he's got that certain uh, je ne sais what, and they're going to make him into a superstar. You know what he's like? He's like Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke runs for the Senate, loses to Ted Cruz, but he looked good doing it, right? Uh, some people thought he looked good. You know, he's wearing that silly uh, button-down blue shirt like Robert Kennedy with the sleeves rolled up. And they thought, this man should be president, all because of the look. And this guy, he's got the look as well. You know what I mean? He's very fashionable, very hip. This man should be president. He just got kicked out of the House of uh, Representatives in Tennessee. Oh, no, but he looks good. And he he's speaking truth to power. It's the easiest thing in the world to shoot your mouth off into a bullhorn. You know, it's hard getting something done. Hey, remember, oh, by the way, it was a white man, a white man who worked very, very hard, who had a lot of skill, who busted his ass to get the greatest civil rights package in human history ever passed. Right? Civil Rights Act of 1964 or 65. 64, 65. I think it was a bill in 64 and an act in 65. Anyway, that takes a hell of a lot of work and talent and muscle. And he knew how to do it. He knew how to do it. Uh, he was president at the time and he was pulling the strings. And then there was another one, a precursor to that, that Lyndon Johnson, that's the white man I'm talking about, uh, got done in the 1950s because he was a master of the Senate. Something tells me that these two bozos that they just kicked out weren't really good at legislating. One guy got there in January, and he's already protesting the joint. Hey, what the hell? It's a shortcut. Look at Eric Adams. Never accomplished a damn thing in his life, just shooting his mouth off on the steps of City Hall, complaining about everything. Last minute, he pretends he likes cops. Last second, fools the right people, uh, although tells everybody else that he actually doesn't have any regard for cops. But he really loves the accoutrements that come with uh, being a police officer, uh, being being the mayor, cop jacket, 
cop jacket that says mayor on it. Anyway, what a silly, superficial place this country has become. I got to go. Um, happy Easter, everybody. Although it doesn't sound like it should be Easter. Uh, yeah, you don't say happy Easter, right? Something, or do you, you can say happy Easter. Maria, hello. Greg, I was going to comment on the insanity about the trans situation, but instead, I want to wish you a happy and blessed Easter. That's what I say to everybody. And especially enjoy your two little girls. I have a 29-year-old daughter who's all grown up, and I would go back in a heartbeat to those days of making the Easter baskets and having the Easter egg hunts on my front lawn. So enjoy. I envy you. Wow. Well, thank you very much. It is fun. She's all excited. She's got her Easter dress all picked out, and we're going to an Easter egg hunt and all that stuff. And, of course, I want her to know the important stuff about Easter, you know, not just the the candy and the Easter bunny and all that stuff, but the important stuff. Yeah, thank you. You know, I thought that this morning because she came running in and it was very cute and like, wow, this is this is special. It's like one of those moments you realize you're going to think about it in 30 years. So got li- I'm enjoying the present. Thank you very much, Maria. Hey, to the rest of you, I'm sorry I didn't get to you. Carmine will keep in touch. Steve, Bill, Rachel, the rest. I'll see you tonight on Newsmax. It's Good Friday. And it's been one heck of a week. I appreciate it very much, your listenership. See you soon. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, we uh, we had a cop shot, New York City cop shot. I think he was off duty, right? And, uh, well, they got the shooter. The shooter's in custody. I think there was some sort of fight on a... On an MTA bus, James Flippin, our news anchor. James, how are you? You've been following this story. What happened? I'm good, Greg. Yeah, well, basically, it actually was while the cop was on duty. It was Wednesday afternoon, and what happened was there was a dispute amongst some passengers on an MTA bus. I think it would have been around like 3.30 on Wednesday. And the driver saw some cops, flagged the cops over because of the dispute that was happening. Now, allegedly, the suspect flashed their gun during this fight over seating. So why are you in my seat? Something like that on on the bus. So the guy sees the cops, runs off the bus, pushes past the cops. This rookie cop, who's only been on the force for like three months or something like that, uh, Brett Bowler, he chased the suspect down. They get into a struggle of some kind. The suspect is accused of pulling the gun and shooting the cop in the hip, um, shattering a bone, basically where like the leg meets the hip and stuff like that. So uh, his fellow officers um, put on a tourniquet, rushed him to the hospital, emergency surgery. After that surgery now, the cops undergoing, you know, going to have lengthy rehab and all that. But they tracked the suspect to a home in the Bronx using social media. I don't really know how. They found some accounts that were linked to this house, and they went inside the house, conducted the search, and found shoes that they think the suspect was wearing. So I guess that was enough probable cause to go ahead and make the arrest, or at least consider him a person of interest. And then the charges were announced today against this guy, Devin Spragans, who's also 22 years old. The cop and the suspect, both 22. Wow, 22. So they were born in 2001. Right. You know, little kids, jeez. <laughs> so, uh, all right, we think this guy did it, right? He's the guy? I mean, it seems that way. You know, they had a very clear photo from a surveillance camera that they put out over the last couple of days to try to find the person. And, um, 
yeah, it seems relatively open and shut. No rap sheet for this guy, which is a little bit strange, but I guess they say he's got connections to places out of state as well. So um, I'm uh, looking myself here. Now, I notice that the assailant, the alleged assailant, happens to be African-American. Mm-hmm. And the uh, police officer shot happens to be white. That is correct. And uh, has a racial component been injected into this at all? Because, uh, you know, look, I have been wondering because of the media, how they have so toxified the environment Mm -hmm. and raised grave questions about policing, fundamental questions about their their legitimacy, their justification to do much of anything. Mm -hmm. It's... uh, I don't want to drag you into uh, my my world here, uh, James, but I, I do want to play this, if you don't mind. Cut 23, please. Cut 23. The unarmed people are being killed, that we're afraid to walk the streets, that we are afraid of police. They're not helping us. And it's important that we understand that it is important. There is a connection between the fact that law enforcement originated as slave patrols and are still in 2021 killing black men and women on the street. Police are supposed to protect and serve, but it's clear that they are protecting the beneficiaries of inherent racist policies. So in my world, you know, James, what I've been saying, like, I think that this and we've heard that, you know, basically nonstop. For a long time, and it really intensified starting in 2020. And it's to the point that just on site, police are viewed with distrust. Where we used to have great police community relations in New York, 75% approval rating for cops in New York, for Ray Kelly in New York after 12 years as police commissioner. And now there's like this built in, almost automatic friction. It really bothers me. Uh, What's the cop's prognosis? He got shot in the hip, but mm-hmm. that sounded like a really crucial spot. So what's it looking like for him? Well, they say that, you know, they're talking lengthy rehab for the officer. So I, I would, you know, interpret that to mean that they expect the officer to survive, that they expect the officer to regain some function. I was I was thinking about it myself. Like, what does that mean? Is the guy going to be able to walk again? Is he ever going to be able to run again? Will he be a cop ever again? You know, I, I don't know. Um, but it is interesting you brought that up because – one thing that kind of stuck out to me, you know, I listen to these post-shooting press conferences and the different NYPD brass get up there, right? And then at some point they ask PBA President Pat Lynch to come up. And sometimes as a radio guy, that's where you get the fieriest sound, right? You get the most sound because he can actually speak his mind to an extent. One thing that he said was, of course, the what you expect. This is becoming way too commonplace. This is people that are uh, serving the city being wounded while doing so. But he pointed out that there were some people along this busy street where this happened, broad daylight, 3.30 Wednesday afternoon, that were out shopping. There was kids there, all this kind of stuff. And there were people amongst the bystanders who came to those officers' aid, who who stopped and tried to help and see if there was anything they could do for this officer. Um, I, I think there was a picture of them picking up the officer's hat and bringing it to one of the other officers and stuff like that. At least you can take the, out of that. It's not not all hope is lost, right? Like, there's some New Yorkers out there that see somebody in in need, that see a cop who's wounded. Another thing I'll point out is that this guy, Brett Bowler, his father is a police officer, Mm -hmm. and he decided to follow in his footsteps and join the force. I'm sure uh, there's things you could sympathize with on that. Well, I sympathize. The cop got shot, of course. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, look, New Yorkers are good people. It's the criminals, though, who have been emboldened Mm -hmm. and have been incentivized Mm -hmm. and have been – 
You know, I'm sorry, but there's this, uh, we got a lot of people, uh, who hate cops and they've been kind of sanctified. It's okay to hate cops. You know, your, your, your typical family in New York, no matter what color they are, they love cops. They see good versus evil. Anyway, that is a touching scene. I can't stand Pat Lynch, to be honest. Well, you he's know, such an obnoxious guy. I, I think he's way overstayed his uh, his usefulness. But as and a radio by, guy, the audio is sometimes amusing. That's all I'll say. Let me see. I can do a good, decent Pat okay, Lynch impression. Okay. Uh, uh, Mark Green is one of the finest publics. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be able to do it. Mark Green, yeah. he, he endorsed Mark Green for mayor. Yeah. Gives you an idea. He's yeah. not, he's not, uh, whatever. Well, one, I was at a press conference one time where he said, and de Blasio's waking up at the crack of noon. And it made me laugh. That's all I know. De Blasio. Yeah. Well, he, uh, <laughs> he got pretty cozy with de Blasio. Look, uh, some people like him. I guess he does a good job for the cops, but, uh, a little bit too political for my taste. Mm-hmm. Anyway, James Flippin. Thank you. Give me the name of the cop again, if you don't mind. Brett Bowler. Brett Bowler. Where does he live? Where's he from? Uh, actually, that's a good question. I mean, he was serving in Jamaica, Queens, so I don't know uh, where he actually is from. But, yeah, and his, his father's a detective in the NYPD. On active duty right now? Still? Yep, absolutely. Member of, the, member of the detective squad. Yeah, amazing. You know, gosh, imagine that. They were born in 2001. Yeah, when you said that, it kind of blew my mind because I don't think of it. I think of like 20 years ago as like 1990. It, 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 yeah, it just seems like for us as yesterday. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the kid, the, how about this? In 2001, I mean, in in 20. 13, they were 12-year-olds. They were in sixth grade. It's terrible. All right. Well, anyway, we're glad he's going to make it. We hope he pulls through. Full recovery officer. Many thanks, James. How about that, huh? I, uh, I do think it's, it's a, res- it's a, it's a side effect of society. And, uh, well, that's where we are. That's where we are. It was kind of nice that the people in the neighborhood there, uh, helped out. And I like that. I like to hear that. Hey, you see the whitewash that's going on over Afghanistan? The greatest blunder in the history of America. Totally the fault of uh, Joe Biden. And they put out a a silly self-serving report on a Thursday, the Thursday before Good Friday. And they lie their asses off about it. Um, Let's see here. The Ducey did a pretty good job. Can we? Uh, where was Ducey? <laughs> Cut six, please. Cut six. The the purpose of it is not accountability. It's the purpose of it is military leaders. Purpose of it right. is Doesn't to study like lesson you learned. That the intel was bad. So how can President Biden ever trust when they come into the Oval Office with the PDB that anything in there is legit? What I said was... That intelligence is a mosaic. What if the mosaic, all the pieces are incorrect? What I said was intelligence is hard business, and they get it right a lot, too. Um, There were some pieces here that weren't accurate, and we're being nothing but honest with you and the American people about what those inaccuracies were and how they shaped some of the decision-making that was laid before the president and, and, his, and the questions that he, that he asked. This document and this effort isn't about accountability today. It's about understanding. And I would also Oh, shut up. You the, G- we all saw that what happened. We saw what happened, and we see that the media is still covering up for you. Hey, thank goodness for James Rosen of Newsmax and uh, people like uh, Ducey there uh, trying to hold this guy accountable. But... You know, it got kind of heated in the look. They put out a snow job. It was a twelve-page cover-your-ass email, and uh, everything we did was right. Donald Trump screwed it all up, even though he wasn't president. Eight months he left office earlier. Uh, Joe Biden was helpless to do anything. Total and complete disgrace. 
Uh, John in Staten Island, there you are. Hi. Hey, Greg. I don't know what happened before, but uh, I want to go back to Tennessee for a second and the, the, the situation with the cop here. So we're going back to Tennessee. The, the two people that got kicked out, the one that's standing there, the 60-year-old woman, I guess she didn't have a bullhorn. Maybe she should have done something activist if she wants to talk about it because they're allowed to vote again. These guys can be voted back at the office. There's no there's no banishment from that. But maybe she should have had a bullhorn or maybe she should push the cop and then she would be get thrown out. I mean, she didn't do anything. She's just complaining about two other officials that got kicked out. You know, she's virtue signaling, virtue signaling. Look, I was I'm, I'm white and therefore I was treated special in these. Anyway, she's an idiot. What about New York? Yeah, about New York. The bottom line with this, with this young cop, thank God he's alive and he's great. And the, this kid didn't have a record. But then it comes down to this again. It's not into a black or white. And somebody had a gun and shot somebody. I don't care if the guy has a record. The guy has a gun and he shot a cop. So where's the where is the accountability for that? Is well, this guy going to go? Well, well, oh, hold on. All right, relax. I mean, he's been arrested. That's a good thing. He's in jail. All right. He did a, he, a very serious thing. Uh, let's see. He did it in Queens, allegedly. I mean, allegedly he shot. It definitely happened in Queens. Who's the DA there? Uh, Melinda Katz, I think. And she's not nearly as crazy as Alvin Bragg. So maybe this guy's going to do hard time. So, you know, all right. It's, we, you know, the system so far, you know, the system, we got to, so far, we, 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 we can't be angry. All right. You don't uh, run out and, uh, you know, it's not justice overnight. It takes a bit of time, you know? I got you, John. I mean, I got you, Greg. But uh, the thing is, uh, you know, just these things get so untangled because of the Democrats trying to bring this social justice along instead of looking at the facts. All right. All right. All right. And, you know, let's take it as it comes in this in this regard. All right. Guy did something bad. With the assistance of the public, we got him right away. He's in jail, facing very serious charges. The moment he gets uh, bounced, if that does happen, man, we got to uh, <laughs> we got to do something about that. We got to protest. We got to uh, I don't know. We got to do something. We got to let that DA know how we feel. We got to write our letters. We got to talk about it on the radio. We got to demand. We maybe have a recall effort, but I don't think it's going to come to that. I don't think so. Hey, man, thank you very much, uh, Vito. You're also in Staten Island, yes. Hey, Greg, how are you? Just, uh, I like exposing the hypocrisy that's out there. So, you know, every once in a while, I'll turn around and I'll say to, you know, I'll say to people, I'm a lesbian. And they get, get some upset and they turn around and they say, you can't be a lesbian because you're a man. Well, who do you say this to? Who do you, why are we, why are we, well, who would you say that to and why? I say, I say it's not a lesbian because I want to. No, I, I mean, to, where do you say that? At the grocery store? I mean, where? At a party? I mean, where do you no, bring no, this I'm up? I'm hanging out. Yeah, I'm just hanging out with friends. I'm just hanging out with friends. And they turn around and they get upset because, you know, you, they say you can't be one because you're a man. Yet Lori Lightfoot is, is married, is considered, she calls herself a lesbian, and yet she's married to a man who trains over to a woman. No, I think she, oh, really? Anyway, listen, uh, you know what they say about men. We're all lesbians trapped in male bodies, right? You know that. Absolutely, sir. I love it. Yes. All right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so how does that go over with your friends when you lay that on them? Eh, they, you know, they like it. They don't like it. You know, 
To be honest, it doesn't sound like the uh, most uh, advanced social experiment I ever heard of. No, but it's it's just it's sometimes they just do it to expose the hypocrisy. That's why your buddies it, aren't it, hypocrites, though. I mean, they're guy. Anyway, what do you do, Vito? What are you up to when you're not? Uh, what do you do? Uh, well, I'm a retired from NYPD, and right now I'm I'm a, I'm a trucker over the road. A trucker, what? Over the road trucker. Over what does over the road mean? I I drive a tractor trail all over the country. Oh man, that's pretty cool. Do you have a cab? Yep, I got a I got a sleeper cab in the back with two beds. Two beds. Yep, bunk beds. Nope. Uh, well, that sounds like a great arrangement. Satellite radio and everything like that. What else? What What's the coolest gadget you got? Uh, the coolest. Uh, I can't say the coolest gadget guy because it's against company policy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, leave it at that. Well, what the hell could it be? All right, easy. Uh, <laughs> that was one heck of a cackle. Uh, I'm so intrigued. Uh, all right, Vito, enjoy safe driving. So, th- thank, thank you for you, the sir. call. You bet. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And this thing with Clarence Thomas, leave him alone. He's a good guy. And there's that idiot from Tennessee. Yeah, he does have a bullhorn. Now I have a close-up of him. Throw that ass out of the Tennessee House of Representatives, whatever you call it down there. What is wrong with him? You're a legislator. Legislate. Come up with a clever law. Get other people to agree with you. See if you can get a majority of your fellow lawmakers and pass the damn thing. You want to be a crazy activist running around, shooting your head off, yelling on through a bullhorn? Do that, but do it outside, in the street, like a street activist or a street hustler or whatever the hell you, uh, whatever you fancy there, pal. This guy, oh, they're going to shove him down our throats. Oh, boy, yeah, he's got the look. Oh, he's got the look. He's got, yep, he's a, he's a very good-looking guy, and he's got that certain uh, je ne sais what, and they're going to make him into a superstar. You know what he's like? He's like Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke runs for the Senate, loses to Ted Cruz, but he looked good doing it, right? Uh, some people thought he looked good. You know, he's wearing that silly uh, button-down blue shirt like Robert Kennedy with the sleeves rolled up, and they thought, this man should be president, all because of the look. And this guy, he's got the look as well. You know what I mean? He's very fashionable, very hip. This man should be president. He just got kicked out of the House of uh, Representatives in Tennessee. Oh, no, but he looks good. And he he's speaking truth to power. It's the easiest thing in the world to shoot your mouth off into a bullhorn. You know, it's hard getting something done. Hey, remember, oh, by the way, it was a white man, <laughs> a white man who worked very, very hard, who had a lot of skill, who busted his ass to get the greatest civil rights package in human history ever passed. Right? Civil Rights Act of 1964 or 65. 64, 65. I think it was a bill in 64 and an act in 65. Anyway, that takes a hell of a lot of work and talent and muscle. And he knew how to do it. He knew how to do it. Uh, he was president at the time and he was pulling the strings. And then there was another one, a precursor to that, that Lyndon Johnson, that's the white man I'm talking about, 
got done in the 1950s because he was a master of the Senate. Something tells me that these two bozos that they just kicked out weren't really good at legislating. One guy got there in January, and he's already protesting the joint. Hey, what the hell? It's a shortcut. Look at Eric Adams. Never accomplished a damn thing in his life, just shooting his mouth off on the steps of City Hall, complaining about everything. Last minute, he pretends he likes cops. Last second, fools the right people, uh, although tells everybody else that he actually doesn't have any regard for cops. But he really loves the accoutrements that come with uh, being a police officer and being, being the mayor. Cop jacket, cop jacket that says mayor on it. Anyway, what a silly, superficial place this country has become. I got to go. Um, happy Easter, everybody, although it doesn't sound like it should be Easter. Uh, yeah, you don't say happy Easter, right? Something or do you You can say happy Easter. Maria, hello. Greg, I was going to comment on the insanity about the trans situation, but instead I want to wish you a happy and blessed Easter. That's what I say to everybody, and especially enjoy your two little girls. I have a 29-year-old daughter who's all grown up, and I would go back in a heartbeat to those days of making the Easter baskets and having the Easter egg hunts on my front lawn, so enjoy. I envy you. Wow. Well, thank you very much. It is fun. She's all excited. She's got her Easter dress all picked out, and we're going to an Easter egg hunt and all that stuff. And, of course, I want her to know the important stuff about Easter, you know, not just the the candy and the Easter bunny and all that stuff, but the important stuff. Yeah, thank you. You know, I thought that this morning because she came running in, and it was very cute. And I'm like, wow, this is this is special. It's like one of those moments you realize you're going to think about it in 30 years. So got I'm enjoying the present. Thank you very much, Maria. Hey, to the rest of you, I'm sorry I didn't get to you. Carmine will keep in touch. Steve, Bill, Rachel, the rest. I'll see you tonight on Newsmax. It's Good Friday, and it's been one heck of a week. I appreciate it very much, your listenership. See you soon.